Well, Jamie, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Frank. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, live from Morgantown, West Virginia, welcome to Positively West Virginia and the new weekly show, West Virginia Small Business Mastermind. Filling in for Positively West Virginia's host, Jim Matuga, for this episode of West Virginia Small Business Mastermind, I'm your guest host, Frank Vitale, President and CEO of Forge Business Solutions. For those of you joining us live on Facebook, welcome and thanks for tuning in. We have an amazing panel for you today and we welcome your live questions. Every Friday, we gather like-minded folks uh, on Zoom, on this Zoom platform to help West Virginia small business owners and leaders win. That's what we're in for, we're in for winning. Through Positively West Virginia's media partnership, we're streaming this call live on Facebook through Positively West Virginia's page, as well as the entire statewide distribution network with wvnews.com. Positively West Virginia Small Business Mastermind is brought to you by Insurance Centers, The State Journal, wvnews.com, and Interaction Media. Now I'll introduce you to our uh, esteemed panel, our first panelist today uh, for our discussion. Joining me today is Jamie Cooper with Cooper Law Offices. Jamie, we welcome you and uh, please take an opportunity to say hello to West Virginia and tell them a little bit about yourself. Sure, hello everyone. My name is Jamie Cooper. I'm a lawyer practicing law in a firm in Bridgeport. Um, we've been in business since 2007. I work with my husband and our fantastic team of paralegals and support staff to uh, advise businesses on a variety of issues. Um, we do a lot of litigation. My husband calls it fussing and fighting. We, uh, not with each other, with, with, everybody, uh, with everybody else. Um, and we do that on behalf of our clients. Um, lately, I've been doing a lot of um, advising on and consulting on employment-related matters concerning the COVID-19 public health crisis. That's great. Well, speaking of that, that's obviously on a lot of folks' mind today, um, especially small business owners. Not only are we dealing with our own personal challenges and keeping our family safe and, and, and ourselves healthy as well, but we worry about our employees and, and their families. Um, and then when all of the personal stuff works out, then we get to the business. And, uh, and that's where I think a lot of folks, especially in the small business area, um, you know, really are sort of flying by the seat of their pants and, and, and kind of hoping that they're doing the right thing. I think most are well-intentioned. But tell us, uh, you know, sort of what are some of the key areas that you think employers should pay attention to when it comes to returning to work and, and reopening their businesses? Sure. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of guidance from the federal government and a lot of legislation came at us pretty quickly there in a really short period of time. And and I think you're right. I think small business owners want to do the right thing. They, uh, in my experience, they they try. They they treat their employees well, and they're looking for um, just the right path. And and a lot of times um, that seems, you know, you could be well intentioned and doing the right thing and and still get into some trouble. So that's where we're hopeful that we can guide our clients on those issues. Um, in terms of return to work, I think there's a lot of, you know, the standard lawyer answer, right, is it depends. <laughs> and uh, you'll hear me say that a lot, but it, it really depends on the size of your business, 
um, what your business is doing and um, what kind of employees that you have um, in terms of what, what you need to do to return everyone to work. I think what we're seeing a lot of is um, the realization that um, teleworking or remote working can work. And um, we've kind of been forced into that, but there are a lot of situations where folks are finding that their employees are actually a little bit more productive. The flip side of that, yeah. that recent studies have shown that um, there's also a risk of burnout with that because people aren't stepping away. Um, so the productivity is going up, but in the long term, we're not sure what that's going to look like yet. Um, you know, a lot of the issues that I've dealt with in the last couple months have been questions under the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, um, uh, paid sick leave, and the expansion of the FMLA. Yeah, um, please speak to that. So what happens is under that act, and I think a lot of people know this already, um, under certain circumstances, employees may be entitled to two weeks up to 80 hours for full-time employees of paid sick leave. and um, up to 12 weeks of expanded um, FMLA leave. Um, a lot of the issues I've, a lot of the questions I've answered have kind of fallen into two categories. One, childcare issues. And um, the really new thing about these new changes in the FMLA law have been, we're going to now pay employees who have to be off work um, because of school closures or daycare closures related to COVID-19 at two thirds their regular rate um, for a period of time. They get the two weeks of sick leave first and then um, 10 weeks of, of paid um, expanded FMLA leave. Sure, so they, they exhaust the sick leave first, correct? Right, right. They, so they get sick leave at their regular rate of pay. And then after that, they can go into a 10 week period of, of two thirds, their regular rate of pay, if they need it to care for a child. Now, um, there are all kinds of qualifications on that and the guidance, of course, and, and the school has to be closed or the daycare facility has to be closed. You can't find, you can't have any other options for daycare or childcare. Now, the interesting thing about that and the thing we're seeing now is that, um, you know, the question of whether that expands now that schools are closed, not because of COVID, because, but because of the normal progression of the school year, um, what options do um, employees have and what obligations do employers have to pay that leave to cover summer childcare? And, yeah. um, the Department of Labor recently came out with some guidance on that, um, frequently asked question number 93 on the DOL <laughs> website. <laughs> um, and, and the guidance says that, yes, if, if a daycare facility is closed due to a COVID-related reason or a, a other summer program that the child would normally be engaged in or is enrolled sure. and is closed, then those leave um, provisions can qualify the employee, the employee for expanded family medical leave. Um, yeah, let me ask you this though, with regards to FMLA, so how about our small businesses that have five to 10 employees that may not have historically followed FMLA or been required to follow FMLA? What are you seeing in those areas? Really good question. So the, the Families First Coronavirus Response Act applies to all employers if they have 500 employees or fewer. So while the FMLA normally wouldn't encompass a lot of small businesses, these new changes in the law do. Um, they last until the end of the year right now, and um, employers who might not be used to that um, requirement are gonna have to pay attention to that. 
Um, the yeah. other thing employers are going to have to be sure to do, um, and this is important for employers who may not have um, normally been exposed to these kinds of requirements, but the um, Families First Coronavirus Response Act um, guidance from the Department of Labor has to be posted to employees. So yeah. some of the questions we've answered about that are, well, if I'm closed because of a COVID-related reason, how do I post that? You know, sure. And emailing employees, posting it on an external or internal website um, will qualify to meet that requirement, but it's something yeah. that employers should look at. I think to your point, and, I, and I'm on here, uh, on the show here, we were pleased to have our guest, Jamie Cooper with Cooper Law Offices. And she's speaking primarily about labor and employment laws uh, as, as it pertains to uh, getting back to work, reopening, and, and especially some of the concerns that maybe our smaller businesses have. So, Jamie, thank you again for being on. Um, also, I'd like to take the opportunity to, you know, let you know, folks that are watching live, you know, please feel free to submit your, your questions uh, via Facebook Live. And, you know, we'll certainly try to get to those. If not during the show, we'll, we'll definitely get back to you. And, and Jamie can loop back with you as well. But, uh, but Jamie, you know, I appreciate your point. I, I think, you know, if, if, if you could point us maybe in a direction, if it's the DOL website, Department of Labor, or where you would recommend, you know, especially the small businesses that, that you know, may not even realize they're subject to new legal changes, um, wh where would you recommend folks go? Sure. I think that a really good resource is available at the Department of Labor's website. It's dol.gov. Um, if you search just in, in a search engine for um, COVID-19 guidance, Department of Labor, it'll pop you right to that COVID-19 Department of Labor site. There are PDFs of the required postings that employers can download and email to their employees straight from that website. Um, and then there are a list of frequently asked questions and it is involved. <laughs> the list is, like I said, there's at least, there are at least 93 questions right now on that website. Um, all kinds of topics are covered. A lot of times the, uh, the questions and the answers will pose even more questions, which is <laughs> standard for, yeah. for federal regulations. But, um, you know, they're there and it, it gives employers a starting point. Um, sure. And they can also, you know, call, call a lawyer. Most, most lawyers are happy to kind of talk through a couple of issues at the outset to help an employer decide whether it's something they need legal counsel for or not. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this. We, we have one question that, uh, what if my employees refuse to come back to work? <laughs> and because it, yeah. So be, and, and there's a couple of areas there that are, are of concern. One is, you know, if, if a person is not well or, or, or they have, you know, their own symptoms, maybe COVID-19 related, maybe not, maybe they're predisposed and have concerns. And then the other is, you know, there's some some issues with, you know, making more money on, you know, uh, on unemployment and, and may, maybe not wanting to return to work. So could you address those briefly? Of course, I'm, I'm happy to. Um, yeah, you have to first assess the reason the employee feels like they don't want to or can't return to work. Um, if the reason is a um, reason that's articulated under the Families First Coronavirus Protection Act or a concern given a uh, high risk um, of exposure or high risk situation that's been identified by the um, ADA or the um, CDC, um, those are kind of different analyses. But if, if it's born of just a general, I don't want to return, or I've heard this, I'm, I'm afraid to come back, 
Um, I'm afraid to come back because I don't want to be exposed myself. Um, if there are no underlying health reasons for that employee to be concerned, um, then they really can't just not come back to work. Um, if, if the job's available and the employer is doing what the employer is supposed to do to, to make that workplace safe um, and following the guidance of you know, the local health department or, the, or OSHA, as the case may be, then I think that um, the employee needs to understand that they need to return to work or um, risk adverse employment action as a result. Now, having said that, the employer has to be very careful to assess the real reason. Sure. Because if, if it is that the employee has symptoms, um, is seeking treatment, has sought medical advice, or has received medical advice that suggests that they shouldn't return to work, then you have some other laws at play that would protect that employee. And, and another important thing for employers to remember is that um, there are the same kinds of anti-discrimination or anti-retaliation provisions in these COVID-related laws that exist with respect to other employment laws. So an employee can't be retaliated against or, or terminated for seeking protected leave. Um, so that's something to keep in mind too. So I think the most important thing for an employer to do when they're faced with that is to sit down with the employee and have a, have a discussion about what the real reasons are. Yeah. One thing I, I think is important though also, and you could speak to this, but that, you know, the policies and procedures that, that the companies have in place need to be followed as well. And those are, you know, most employees have acknowledged those policies and procedures. So uh, when it comes to absenteeism and those sorts of things, that, that that's still an important piece to stick with. Uh, do you agree with that? I, I do. And and there are even within the, the new regulations that have come out since COVID, you know, there's some reference to notice provisions and, and those those regulations look back to the employee policies and say that you can follow those established policies that you have um, for things like notice and and absenteeism. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, our guest today, uh, Jamie Cooper with Cooper Law Offices, uh, speaking about labor and employment laws, which all of us that employ others are very, very interested in. You obviously are, are uh, well experienced in this area and have a lot to offer. Jamie, if, if someone was interested in reaching out to you to get more information, is there a website or a way to get a hold of you? Sure. Um, our website is cooperlawwv.com, um, and they can call us at the office, 304-842-0505. Excellent, excellent. Well, listen, I really want to thank you for being on today. Uh, we, we love having you on and you have a lot of information, obviously, and a lot to offer. So folks that have questions, if we weren't able to get to them today, feel free to reach out to Jamie directly. And uh, we really appreciate you and wish you well and have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. You too, Frank. All right. Great. Well, I see Danny Fink's here. So uh, hey, Danny, Frank. good morning. I'm doing great. Uh, uh, happy to be uh, filling in for, for Jim Matuga today as our guest host. And you and I have been on together. So yeah, we have. So it's good to see you again and uh, hope everything's going well. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, our next guest, uh, I'm pleased to welcome Danny Fink with Premier Tax Consulting. Uh, Danny has a, a lot of experience uh, with working with small businesses and, and, and medium-sized, large also, but, but particularly well-known in the small business arena for his expertise. So, um, you, know, you know, Danny, maybe a lot of the folks that are on know you, but, but go ahead and tell us a little bit about about uh, what, what you've been doing and, you know, some of the things that you've been seeing lately. 
well, you know, this has been a strange tax season. You know, all this hit um, mid-March when we were right in the middle of preparing taxes and we went from spending all of our time doing tax returns to suddenly we were spending all of our time working on PPP loan applications. So it's been an interesting couple of months and um, the first round of uh, the PPP loans, I guess, were approved about seven weeks ago. So uh, those businesses who got in early, you know, their eight week period to use those funds are coming to a close and it's about time to start preparing the forgiveness applications. Yeah, there've been um, actually a little over 4.5 million loans approved uh, nationally. And so uh, there, there's a lot out there for sure. And um, I think maybe some small businesses are now thinking, okay, Am I going to qualify for the forgiveness? Uh, I understand the the period by which uh, that that uh, borrowers have had to spend those and deploy those funds if for consideration of forgiveness has increased. Isn't that right? Right. So the House last Thursday uh, passed a bill, and the Senate then passed it a couple of days ago. So I, I guess it's now on the president's desk, and it extended that time from eight weeks out to 24. So that's going to make it a lot easier for some businesses to get that forgiveness. Uh, and yeah. the, that new bill did a few more things as well to uh, help more businesses get a greater percentage of those funds forgiven. Uh, you know, one of the requirements uh, for forgiveness was that 75% of the funds had to be used for payroll cost. They've lowered that threshold down to 60%. Uh, meaning up to 40% could be used for rent and utilities, for example. Um, they've also extended the deadline for rehiring an employee. Uh, one of the requirements for full forgiveness was that you had to basically keep everyone employed. So if you had five employees and you laid one off, only 80% would be forgiven even if you met all the other criteria. But if you rehired that employee by June 30, it didn't count against you. Well, they've extended that out to uh, December 31st. Uh, so there's been lots of, um, or those three changes, I guess, it's going to make it easier to get forgiveness for some businesses. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you a question. Um, so, uh, you know, with respect to the amount that you were able to borrow, it was limited to 2.5 times a monthly salary uh, or your right. monthly, your monthly uh, labor costs, uh, if you will. Um, has that changed and is there an opportunity to go back and get more money now that the, re, the, that the, that the uh, deployment period has, has been extended to 24 months, 24 weeks, so sorry. Two and a half times payroll cost has not changed. Um, something that did change sort of after the fact was like for say a partnership who had employees the initial guidance was that it would be two and a half times their payroll cost, but they could have also included the profit that flowed through to the partners. Um, as far as I know, you could not go back and reapply and try to get that extra money. You know, if you applied early, you just sort of got less than you could have gotten. Yeah. So, so our guest today is Danny Fink with Premier Tax Consulting. Um, Danny, we may have covered this to some extent, but I just want to uh, go ahead and recognize Annette. Um, she said, I heard that there was an extension on the loan spend. 
Um, and that's the 24 weeks, correct? Right, that's the 24 weeks from the date that you received the money. That you received the money, okay. Right. And, and, I, and, and the accounting of that, I, I know you've spoken about that before, but, but just uh, what are some recommendations with respect to best practices on keeping track of how you're spending that money? So a lot of businesses, uh, or at least some, have put that money into a separate business, a separate checking account, which obviously will make it easier to track. It's certainly not a requirement. Um, we've been preparing for this, you know, forgiveness applications, and we've, we've sort of seen what the banks are going to require, and they're going to be asking for payroll reports, you know, showing how much payroll expenses was, uh, as well as how many full-time equivalent employees did you have, um, your payroll tax returns, like your 941s, are gonna want those, as well as documents that show if the employer contributed anything towards employee health insurance or retirement contributions and rent and utility expenses. So they're gonna want proof that all those things were paid uh, and those would be submitted to the bank along with the actual application for forgiveness. Sure. Well, I want to thank Annette for her question. And I'd like to also, again, to our folks uh, watching live, please feel free to submit your questions and we'll try to have Danny answer those. And if we can't during the show, we'll, we'll definitely get back to you. And, um, and Danny, if folks wanted to reach out to you, uh, uh, how would they do that website? Uh, what, what, what's the best way yeah. to reach you? Our website is premiertaxwv.com. And our office number is 304-241-5125. Excellent, excellent. Let me ask you, when I'm calculating the, uh, uh, the salaries, do I do that on a gross or net basis? So it's going to be gross wages. And then obviously you can add in if, the, if you as employer paid a portion of the employee health insurance or contributed to their retirement plan. So all of that would count, as would um, Workforce West Virginia um, payments. I see. Okay, um, any changes with the idle loans that, that have been coming down lately? Well, uh, people have started getting the money, you know, and, and the <laughs> idle loan uh, sort of had two parts to it. There was the grant part that everyone wanted initially, which was advertised as $10,000 and then sort of a week later, they changed it to $1,000 per employee up to $10,000. And that is a grant that does not have to be paid back. And then just within the last couple of weeks, the actual loan portion of the idle loans, um, em employers started getting emails from the SBA saying, you know, here's your loan documents and you can go ahead and review it, uh, digitally sign, um, and then the money hits the bank account a few days later. That's great. Yeah. I've had a lot, of, a lot of clients who have received the idle loans in the last couple of weeks. So. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what, what, you know, one of the concerns that I've heard from business owners is that, uh, especially small business owners, is that they have a lot of questions about these programs but they're concerned that the fees from their accounting firms uh, are going to really skyrocket and, and it's preventing some of them from really engaging their accountant in the way that they should. Um, any, any thoughts on what, 
what accounting firms are doing from a practice standpoint to address that? Well, I know what we're doing. Um, like going back to the PPP loans, we were just helping our clients at no charge uh, to apply for the PPP loans. Um, you know, from our standpoint, it's better to help them and you know keep them up and running than uh, you know to, to charge them and you know, when they're already strapped for cash. Um, but depending on how much you know is going to be involved on the PPP loan application forgiveness, we probably will charge for that um, just because, you know, it's going to be a significant amount of work gathering all the documents and sending it in. But uh, if my advice would be, uh, it's probably better to pay a little bit to the accountant and get it right and get the forgiveness on the loan than to try to do it and have less forgiven, you know? Sure. Let me ask you on, uh, with regards again to the PPP, which is you know obviously top of mind for a lot of folks because they were able to participate, uh, you know, and it was pretty easy to 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 get. Um, with regards to 1099 employees or 1099 folks, so not mm -hmm. employees, yeah. but oftentimes highly relied upon by small businesses, can can the deployment of those expenses be calculated? For PPP? Yes, sir. It does not count for forgiveness, and it does not count in determining the loan amount. Those people getting a 1099 would apply for PPP money for themselves. Okay. Well, how about if an employer wanted to, to bring, or bring on a 1099 as an employee during this period? Mm -hmm. They could do that. Now, I wouldn't recommend just bringing them on as an employee for eight weeks and then putting them back as a 1099 person. Um, right. But if, you know, if you're thinking of maybe they should have been an employee all along, you know, um, they could certainly bring them on. But I would not do it just for eight weeks or the 24 weeks in order to get the loan forgiven. So we've talked about best practices. We've talked about PPP, the, the idle loans. Um, one of the things that's coming up is a deadline, and that's July the 15th. And not only is that the deadline to pay your 2019 taxes, but it's also gonna compound by being a deadline to pay your quarterlies. And, and, a, and there may be some sticker shock when, when businesses and, and owners have to get out the, the, the checkbook. Um, and any, any uh, thoughts on that and any, any response to that? Yeah, there really could be sticker shock because you're going to be looking at quarter one estimates, quarter two estimates, like say in 2019 uh, payment if you haven't already made it, and as well as um, quarter two 941 payments. So uh, yeah, that could be a, an expensive day for a lot of employers. Uh, any, uh, have you had any experience with businesses that, you know, based on the challenges that they're facing today don't, you know, if they don't have enough money to, to pay their taxes, uh, are, are banks lending, you know, what, what are some of the, you know, sort of, uh, uh, fail safes that businesses might consider if they're struggling right now? Well, hopefully, you know, they, they applied for the PPP and you know, that's gotten them through. Uh, banks are lending. Um, of course, they're going to be looking at financials and make sure that the business owner is going to be able to repay the loan. So it's not going to be something as simple as the PPP or the idle loan was. 
uh, but certainly loans are available. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, again, uh, our guest, uh, Danny Fink with Premier Tax Consulting and Danny and his firm have substantial experience, uh, particularly in the small business area. So would would recommend uh, reaching out to him if you have any questions. A any final uh, parting words, uh, be best advice that you could give us today, uh, aside from have a great weekend? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess if, if you are an employer who uh, was in the early round of PPP money, be getting your documents ready for the forgiveness application because it's pretty involved. Um, so the more you can do now and to be ready when you apply, the better. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, uh, Danny Fink uh, from Premier Tax. Uh, we, we appreciate you and uh, thanks for being on and I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks, Frank. Good seeing you. You too, sir. You too. Well, our next guest is uh, Andy Nicely with West Virginia News. Hello, Andy. Hey, Frank. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, sir. So excited to have you on. How are things going for you? It's great to be on and, <clears throat> you know, things are busy. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I'm sorry, uh, Jim Matuga's not on with us. He's much better looking than I am, but it, but it, but you got you're stuck with me. At least it's Friday, though. Well, that's probably up for debate, but we won't <laughs> go there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. No. That's great. Well, uh, I'll tell you, Andy. Um, I've I've been fortunate uh, in the work that I've I, I do throughout the state to see you from time to time, and I think the last time I saw you in Charleston, West Virginia, was at the um, the uh, economic conference for the uh, economic development authorities. Mm -hmm. um, but, but you're someone that uh, you, you are really a treasure for our state. And, and, and I appreciate you so much. Uh, you bring attention to important matters, but, but matters are important to you. And, well, Frank, and so first of all, I'm very flattered that you say that. And I accept that for our team. We have, a, we have a great team here. It's we're, we're a locally owned company, Brian Jarvis, uh, uh, has made a commitment in, for West Virginia and for West Virginia News for community journalism in North Central West Virginia. So, and we've attracted a, a very talented team of, of, of folks, both journalists and marketers, and and uh, you know we're here to serve the communities uh, that that we're involved with. Yeah. Now, uh, West Virginia News uh, provides a, a a voice for West Virginia and to West Virginians. So, um, you know, I'm sure on many levels you're engaged, uh, uh, you know, nationally and globally. But um, but tell us, you know, sort of at, at the tip of the spear uh, as you are, you know, what are some of uh, the, you know, the primary business you know, concerns and and and, you know, are there any success stories that you're hearing out there, uh, you know, given what's happened in the last you know, three and a half months? You know, Frank, at the beginning of the year, uh, year over year sales outlooks for all media across 16 different channels that are measured uh, were actually trending positive. Um, currently, only about half of those have positive outlooks for the balance of 2020. Um, the leading areas where outdoor and social media were expected to be the top three channels for growth this year. <clears throat> but that's that has shifted because of COVID-19 to social media, search engine marketing, and email marketing. And, and that's one of the reasons why we partnered with uh, Interaction Media, so we could have specializations in those areas as well. The largest shift in budgets that was negative was in radio. 
and it's actually been a 31 point drop. They were expected oh, to have an increase of about 6%. And uh, the national projections from, uh, from Burrell Associates, which is a, um, the top rated marketing firm in, in the US uh, that, that I, I contribute to a panel for them. And uh, so that, that's based on their data that they've collected in the last two weeks. How about uh, uh, with with respect to digital and print advertising, is that is that up down flat? You know, in terms of display advertising in our fifteen print pro products, we are getting close to getting back to to, to even. Now, the areas that we, we we've taken some hits in are, are preprint inserts uh, from your chain stores, and many of those chain stores have closed. Uh, you know, we still you know, still watching for J.C. Penney. Unfortunately, we we haven't taken that hit in West Virginia uh, with the release of the ones that they're going to close. They released those that list yesterday. Um, the other area that we've taken a hit in is employment advertising. You know, with 34 million people unemployed right now in the U.S., uh, <laughs> Uh, employment advertising's been a hit, but we've turned and actually, thanks to some pretty uh, creative um, programs, uh, Brian Jarvis launched a Unity matching grant program to help local advertisers get up, back up and running. So we did a dollar for dollar match, which basically reduced their, their uh, ad spend by actual out of pocket costs by 50%. And in North Central West Virginia, we, we've we've committed out over five hundred thousand dollars in community marketing funds that can be used both in print and digital advertising across our networks. You know, it's interesting you say that because you know it's very clear that that you know particularly statewide media has such an impact on on the confidence uh, of of our citizens. And so when we think about consumer confidence, uh, messaging is so critical right now. And so when I think about businesses cutting advertising, I think it's almost the opposite of, of, of really what should be done because I think we, we, we need to imbue a sense of consumer confidence in our state. Now, with, with media usually being a great part, community partner, very philanthropic in most cases, what are some of the sort of uh, things going on where, where media outlets are being philanthropic are, are sort of helping spark uh, the economy, helping businesses who may be struggling. What are some of those great stories that we may not hear about? Well, I think there's a couple things there. I mean, again, I mentioned our Unity Matching Grant, which, which uh, was targeted for small businesses. But the other thing is, and, and the most important thing about us as, as a uh, West Virginia Media Company is for us to tell the story of local businesses. And, and we have done, um, our executive editor, editor, John Miller and his team have done an incredible job of, of doing that. You know, we're publishing about 40 new local byline stories a day across our statewide team of journalists and across our print and digital networks. So in our, and the thing that COVID-19 has done is because we've done that, our, we've seen growth in our digital network of over as high as 60% at times, but we are now up to about 3.8 million page views a month 
and, and about 1.2 million unique users a month, which gives us the largest in-state digital audience. The, the really neat thing is our print, our print um, products have, have maintained their subscriber base. And we're actually picking up some new subscribers as a result because people are wanting to stay, be informed on a local level about what's taking place with COVID-19, what's taking place with their you know, friends and neighbors, the business, local businesses, um, and, and their local governments. Yeah. Uh, our guest is Andy Nicely with West Virginia News, and uh, we appreciate you being on, Andy. Um, I, I'd also like to take the opportunity to encourage folks that are watching uh, by Facebook Live to submit any questions that you may have um, for, for Andy as well. Um, Andy, with respect to, um, so we could talk about spend, how, how businesses are spending, uh, but with respect to practice, uh, what, what are some of the uh, practices of, of either advertising or storytelling that you've seen a shift in and how businesses are changing the way they communicate their message? Well, a lot of businesses, first of all, no one's ever experienced what we're experiencing right now with COVID-19. So you have a lot of businesses, small local mom and pop shops that got caught literally with their pants down and not having an active uh, website. Uh, an effective website that they could do e-commerce on. And their social media was limited to Facebook posts. And as we all know, Facebook reach without without buying uh, boosted posts is you're only reaching about three to 5% of those people who like you. So being able to communicate and then be in constant contact with your customers and updating them on the changes of hours um, the things that you're doing to protect uh, consumers as they enter your store, your own your own uh, employees, um, that's critically important. You know, we've ha we've had a, you know a huge segment of the population that's been staying at home for two months. You know, how do you get them you know to come back to your store and you know buy your goods and services is, is important for both the local economy and and our quality of life. Yeah, um, I, I think you're you're exactly right, and and you know I've, I always believe that it, engaging your employees is, is so critical because <clears throat> they're able to also uh, help with confidence. Uh, you have to take good care of your employees. Absolutely, and you know your employees are your first priority. Uh, your employees are the ones that take care of your customers, and without taking care of your employees, your customers aren't going to get you know, the best customer service experience. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's step outside of West Virginia for a little bit. Uh, you're, you know, you're a, a publisher, you're, you know, you lead the, the state media here in West Virginia. I'm sure you're engaged on many platforms nationally. Um, what are your colleagues saying uh, as far as, you know, what's going on across the country? Uh, I know you gave us some industry trends, but you know, how, you know, what are some of the tricks that are being deployed and how is media partnering across the country uh, to help? I just heard today that unemployment is actually down uh, to 13.37%. And we've added 2.5 million jobs back to the rolls, which- oh, That's fantastic. It, it really are, is. You know, we are seeing that different segments of the country are coming back uh, faster than others. Some segments weren't hit as hard as others. 
Uh, I think West Virginia actually weathered the storm pretty well. I give you know, credit to uh, our state leaders, our state healthcare um, uh, experts, and, and that's helped. Um, you know, but it, it really depends on your, you know, it really depends on, on your lo local market. I even look here in, in, in North Central West Virginia, and I see differences in how it's, you know, this has affected the Morgantown market versus the Fairmont market versus Clarksburg Bridgeport uh, versus our markets in Weston, Preston County, Gary County, Maryland. Um, you know, Morgantown, because of the West Virginia University students, uh, you know, those, there's, there's a real hard hit taking place in the local market up there. Um, That's right. You just can't replace because, you know, that's such an, such an economic impact of those students being in town. To a smaller degree, that's taking place, taking place in Fairmont. Whereas here in Clarksburg Bridgeport, we don't have necessarily a, a, a full state college or university. And so we are more government-based jobs. We got the FBI, we've got, you know, we've got everything in terms of, of uh, aerospace complex out at, at uh, North Central West Virginia Airport. Uh, you know, those kind of jobs are more steady and they haven't been impacted nearly as much. So, you know, that's my best examples I can say across the country. It's going to be market by market because it's market by market right here in our own backyard. Yeah. Let's, let's take uh, that to, the, to a little bit of a different level with respect to our national market. I think, you know, to your point earlier, businesses are learning that, that real estate is not as important maybe as we thought it once thought it was. So a firm that's, that has to pay a salary for, you know, in Manhattan, New York, um, and, and now their, their employees working from an apartment in Manhattan, you know, paying, you know, $3,000, you know, for, for a small apartment there, that person could live in, in Clarksburg, West Virginia, and probably do the same work remotely. Um, and, and they wouldn't have to pay you know, pay all those expenses. So how can, how can West Virginia, or what is West Virginia doing right now to really position itself nationally as a great place to live and work remotely? Absolutely. You know, I, I think that you're, you're going to see that the West Virginia Department of Commerce is going to take advantage of this in their recruiting efforts. First of all, we have a low cost of living before COVID-19. We have a low crime rate. We have these great outdoors, uh, you know, the beauty, the activities you can get into. But now when you look at COVID-19 and the low numbers of impact in the state of West Virginia, that becomes a selling point to attracting businesses um, to our state. I couldn't agree more. I, I was doing a little fly fishing last night. And I, I, saw, I, you, I saw some photos on Facebook. <laughs> Good for you and your family. And I actually fished till dark. <laughs> and I, I said to a buddy of mine, I said, you know, this is what, I mean, you just can't get this anywhere. I think we sometimes take for granted how blessed we are. And, and folks, many folks uh, in the country don't really get to see what we get to see every day. Absolutely. And, you know, social distancing in West Virginia is, 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 you know, we've been doing it for a long time when we enjoy the outdoors. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, we're very blessed to have, you know, everything that God's created in West Virginia to make it almost heaven. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. 
Uh, our guest, uh, Andy Nicely with West Virginia Media. Uh, you know, Andy, again, uh, I thank you so much for, for you know, not only what, what West Virginia News, I'm sorry, News does, but, but you know, the, again, you're, you personally are such a resource to our state. Um, Mr. Jarvis is just doing a wonderful job. Uh, you know, building uh, what he's building. And so uh, we're really thankful for, for all that you do. Um, and any uh, sort of parting words for a good weekend from you? Well, I, yes, absolutely. The, the, the thing to look at is the sun's shining. Uh, better days are ahead. We're coming out of this. Our numbers are showing that it's building every day, every week as we go by. Uh, we, we, we can't you know, we got to still be cautious and do, use good social distancing and, and, and washing our hands and doing all those things to make sure that we don't have a rebound. Frank, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I, I think, uh, pre sure, I think Gee came out uh, this past week and talked about from the WVU perspective how important personal responsibility is. And and in uh, in getting us you know continuing to grow our economy, and so I appreciate uh, appreciate you doing that. One final thing, if folks uh, around the state uh, could use the resources of West Virginia News, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, of course, our website's wvnews.com. Um, you know, you can you can go on there. You can find my email address, uh, direct line phone numbers. Uh, we partner with Interaction Media for, for digital and social media marketing, uh, video production, uh, website design. Uh, so we, we can serve you in multiple ways. And we look forward to it. So give us a call. Okay. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate you. Great. Have a great day. God bless. Have, have a great day. You too, my friend. Okay. Well, I'd like to welcome our, our next guest. I see uh, Mr. Ed DaCosta. Ed, good to see you. And good you're a frequent you. flyer on, on Positively West Virginia. So yeah, I enjoy uh, it very much. Appreciate you being on. And uh, also like to uh, welcome uh, Alicia Mail with Interaction Media. So welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you bet, you bet. Alicia, uh, tell us uh, what's going on with you and with Interaction Media. Um, so, you know, I think right now we're kind of talking with our clients, seeing what their needs are, because West Virginia, like some other states, are opening up um, businesses and are welcoming back customers um, with, you know, limited regulations, just, you know, trying to keep everyone safe. So I think in terms of um, what we're trying to do is see what the messaging can be, how we can educate our clients, customers on what they're doing to protect them, um, as well as really just trying to see what advertising opportunities are out there to even amplify that message more. Yeah, I, I think it's a great point. Um, uh, you know, we really need to make sure that folks have those resources available to them. So, so I appreciate you bringing that up. Ed, I see you have your Boston Red Sox shirt on and, uh, and it is, it is Friday. I only wear them on days that end in one. <laughs> I know you are, uh, I say a frequent flyer on, on the podcast and, um, uh, unfortunately, uh, 
uh, our host, uh, Jim Matuga, is unable to be with us, and, and he, he reached down to the bottom of the barrel and, and, uh, and found me, so uh, I'm happy to be with you today. But to tell uh, the folks um, who are joining us uh, by, by other medias, uh, Facebook Live, et cetera, uh, what, a little bit about yourself and what you've got going on. Sure. So, you know, what I was asked to do this week for this segment is to talk about sales. So I have a, a business, Catalyst Associates, where I uh, sell executive coaching services and leadership development. But more important, uh, more important subject I think is is how do we go about selling? You know, at this at this crazy time that we're in, as we are reemerging and getting back to business, um, people are called to be at their best. The sales game has always been about relationships and never more so than it is right now. People are exhausted, people are tired, people are at their wits end, and there's a whole lot of stuff going on. COVID is the big one, but it's not the only issue that's causing divisiveness and angst in this country. And what people need is compassion. What people need is somebody who cares about them. And those kinds of feelings are not normally associated with somebody who's trying to sell you something, right? It's, it's, it's extremely important that we are careful in our language so that everything that we are doing is easily understood as service, servanthood, not about, hey, I know your family's in chaos and the world's you know, going to hell, but I could use some of your money. That's just not a good strategy. It never was, but particularly now, um, it's just not gonna work. People need to know that you care about them, more so yeah. than any time in my life. Ed, if I could jump in for a second as well, kind of talking about um, like the marketing and messaging side, that is also something that is recommended care for your customers selflessly, I think is going to be the best option. So even if you, you know, can't provide a specific service to them, really continuing to answer their questions and pointing them in the right direction, I think will go a long way right now. Yeah, it's, it's always a good idea to think long-term. And Right now, whether people are going to buy from you or not, they will remember how you treated them. They will yes. remember whether you seem to care about them or you didn't seem to care about them. And they're not mind readers, so they don't know how you're thinking and feeling, but they're going to make those judgments based upon how you behave and how you conduct yourself. Therefore, you better care about your customers. I wouldn't. Yeah. I would say that um, extend that to your employees as well. I'm, I'm a firm believer that your employees are your first line of defense when it comes to marketing and advertising. If you treat them well and you show that you care about them, they're, they're going to remember that and sing your praises to other people, even to your yeah. customers. Yeah, I always believe you treat your employees like your best client. Yeah, and if no, you do that, then they'll take care of others. And, and it's interesting. These, these, these are business principles that are, have always been there. And the best companies have always been doing these things. But there's no better time than right now to practice these, these sermons, these lessons than, yeah. than right now. Um, so um, so at, at the same time, I, I think 
I think there we're hearing that there's some fatigue with respect to hearing COVID-19 messaging and, 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 and things like that. So what do we do to inject positive sort of, uh, and, and help with consumer confidence? What, what do we do about that? Yeah. So you've, you've got to be optimistic. The only way you can share optimism is to be optimistic. We will get through this, you know, five years from now, three years from now, two years from now, we will not be, in the circumstances that we're in right now. We will remember this. Similar to 9-11, it's, it's maybe a bad comparison in, in some respects, but it is a valid one in this respect. The world changed on that day, and it's never gone back to the time it was prior to that. The mindset, the way that we travel by air and other ways, it has ma had, had major, major uh, impact on the world. And I believe firmly that in the sports world, for example, in the entertainment business, the movie theaters, not just the, the economic impact on, on entire industries, which I'm not downplaying at all, but just in the way people think about how they entertain themselves and how they spend their time and what their priorities are in life. And so if we are optimistic about the future of our nation, and I certainly am, I wouldn't want to move anywhere else than the United States of America, then you need to convey that to people and recognize that, hey, you're going to get through this too. Now, you may not, sure. not see the end right now. You may not see, you know, um, a place where you're not thinking about the things that are on your mind and keep you up at night. You may not see that place right now, but it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. So our, our I was just going to say, um, Alicia, I was going to go to you and, and just uh, remind folks that Alicia Mail's with us with Interaction Media. And um, Alicia, go ahead. Yes, I was just going to say, I would, I would even take it a step further in terms of when businesses are thinking about the content that they're producing, the messages that they're sending out, rather than um, only saying we're here for you, I would turn it and say, here are the things that we would recommend you do in light of the situation. And because we are in this you know, post-COVID-19 situation where businesses are still trying to figure out what they can offer to their customers in a safe and effective way. I think this would be the perfect time to um, really be able to give in-depth information about the services that you have, even if it's in the tourism industry and what people can actually do at this time and continue to trickle that information until like Ed said, we're in a period where we're not dealing with um, these immediate um, consequences of COVID-19. Alicia, let me ask you a question. What are some of the sort of, uh, you know, mistakes that you're seeing out there that maybe our listening audience uh, could learn from? You know, what are some of the, you know, the challenges that you're, you know, that you're seeing that, or, or solutions that aren't working? So I would say, um, Based on COVID-19 and the other situations that are happening right now, as Ed mentioned, like we are dealing with a lot of different situations at the moment. And one thing that I would say is really try and define how you want to speak about different situations um, because people will remember the things that you said or the things that you did. And some companies, you know, stay silent. Maybe they don't want to be as public about the procedures that they're taking to protect customers. 
maybe they don't want to further that conversation on social media. And I would say um, it's really important to be transparent. And I think we see that a lot. With, there are two categories of companies, and I think maybe Jim talked about this, people who are pushing forward, really talking with their customers through social media, other advertising opportunities, or whatever it might be. And then there are other companies who may just stay silent. I do think the companies who are more transparent are going to be okay long term. Yeah, well, and and uh, again, we you know we're here with Alicia Mail uh, with with uh, Interaction Media and Ed DeCosta uh, with Catalyst, and and we appreciate you you being on. Um, you know, Ed, you advise CEOs and leaders all across the world. Um, and, you know, I'd be interested in hearing, you know, what, what are some of the high level concerns that those leaders are having uh, with respect to, to reopening? Yeah, so I'll, I'll answer your question, but I'll, I'll piggyback on what Alicia just said, because transparency is an important word, and I'll spare you the lecture, I think you all understand. Transparency implies vulnerability and integrity and honesty. And so for many people, they, depending on your personality, you separate business from your home life, your personal life. And there's, there's healthy barriers that exist there. However, at this time, you need to be more vulnerable. You need to be more transparent about things that are happening in your personal life, in your neighborhood, in your family at your church, and for CEOs, people that, that I am coaching, absolutely, they need to be vulnerable. They need to talk about their grandchildren. They need to talk about their in-laws that are in a nursing home. They need to show that this is, I mean, again, there's a persona that I am in charge and, and yeah. I am CEO and all will be well. Okay, that's fine, but it's, there's nothing wrong at all. In fact, there's everything right about showing yeah. that, wow, I am, I am, I was nervous. I was scared. There's sure. Something that happened in my family that caused me pain and worry. Yeah. As well, Ed, I'm going to, I'm going to let that, I'm going to let that be the last word. I, I just want to thank you all for, for being a part of the show. Uh, Alicia, you're always so resourceful and Ed, always so dynamic and, and we really appreciate you. Uh, that's it for today, uh, for today's episode of Positively West Virginia, Small Business Mastermind. Our hope that it is that we brought you some valuable insight that you can use in your business and in your life today. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors of Positively West Virginia Small Business Mastermind. That's insur the Insurance Centers, uh, the State Journal, WestVirginianews.com, and Interaction Media. Filling in for Positively West Virginia's host, Jim Matuga, I'm your guest host, Frank Vitale, and it's been a real pleasure to be with you. So stay safe. Stay healthy and stay positive, West Virginia. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you.